Hi, I'm Blake Repine and welcome to Strategy, Leadership and Impact. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Strategy, Leadership and Impact. Hope you've been well. Over the last couple months, it has been incredibly busy. It's actually just been a big blur for me. Uh, between work and my volunteering activities and a few other things I'm involved with, it, it just seems like one I've hardly had a weekend at home, uh, you know, in uh, in here in Australia too. During the winter time, because it's cooler, there's a lot of events on. Usually, all the events happen in that time period over the few months of winter. Because during the summer, it's incredibly hot. It's too hot to have some of these events. Really looking forward to summer getting here so I can get a bit of a break uh, from a lot of the events and things. But uh, which one of the reasons why it's been so long since the last episode? But here we are, back on track, and hopefully I have a pretty good one for you this week or this episode. What I want to talk about is developing a growth mindset. And if you think about mindsets and growth mindsets, children are very much always in the state of a growth mindset. They want to learn everything because, one, they don't know anything. They don't have experience with a lot of things. So each experience for them is, a, is almost a new experience. So each time they hear something for the first time or they read something or see something for the first time, it's the first time they're experiencing it. And they, they get this you know, this uh, propensity, or, or not really propensity, they get this thing about them where they just want to learn how everything works. What does everything mean? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? They ask why, 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 why? But as we grow into adults, a lot of times we stop asking that. We go to you know university to learn something to get a job or we go learn a trade. And once we're in that trade or once we're in that job, we tend to stay in there and we just kind of go through the motions every day. Yes, some roles you're going to have a certain level of continuing professional development that you'll have to do every year in order to maintain a, a currency or a registration or certification or licensure or whatever it is. But outside of that, we, we tend not to really learn. Our, our learning curve really slows down. Some people might say, well, our brains are getting too full, <laughs> which uh, I think is impossible. So I've really been thinking about what you know, what is a mindset? How do we actually maintain a mindset throughout our entire life? Because really, if we want to be you know, someone who is goal oriented and achieve goals and, and want to, you know, have a bit of ambition and push ourselves to do things and try things new and, and achieve things. We need to have that growth mindset. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is really centered around Carol DeWicks and her book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And I'll share a, a quote with you that I really like from that book. It says, in one world, effort is a bad thing. It, like failure, means you're not smart or talented. If you were, you wouldn't need effort. In the other world, effort is what makes you smart or talented. And I think I'm from that other world, you know, where I'm not a very smart person. At least I don't, I consider myself to have average intelligence. Um, but I put forward a higher than average effort whenever I want to achieve something. And I've seen some people that are probably well above average intelligence or would be considered to have well above average intelligence, but they don't put forth any effort. And so they never really achieve anything. So you wonder, you know, is that intelligence wasted? And intelligence, by the way, it's actually, I was reading a thing the other day, this uh, one gentleman, he reckons that there's eight different types of intelligence that we all have. So intelligence isn't necessarily, we talk about intelligence, not necessarily measured by 
your ability to read or do math or your vocabulary. Your intelligence could be in other areas too. You have an intelligence for things like music and art. You could have an intelligence for, you know, doing things, working with your hands, building things, creating things, designing things. You could have intelligence for being able to have that vision, you know, around strategy and, and stuff like that, but you're not detail oriented. So there's different types of intelligence. So, but when you see people, regardless of what area their intelligence lies in, who don't put forth any effort, you say, well, is that intelligence wasted? But what if they had a growth mindset? How much more would they achieve? And, you know, the opposite of that is I've seen people who, again, like myself, average intelligence and sometimes even a little bit below average intelligence, but they put forth the amount of effort when eventually they were able to put forth enough effort to master the subject that they were working in or the field that they're working in, or they put forth enough effort to be able to achieve whatever it is they were able to achieve. And if you think about other people that have achieved things that either you want to achieve or you aspire to achieve, why have they achieved those things? And what is the difference between them and you? Probably 90% of the time, it's the effort and where they put that effort into and how they put that effort forward that made the difference. So Carol DeWick, of course, she recommends 25 ways to develop a mindset, a growth mindset, excuse me. And I guess if you applied even some of these, you don't necessarily have to do all 25, but if you even applied some of these to your life, there's a good chance you'll start achieving a lot more than you are now. So the first thing that she says is acknowledge and embrace imperfections. Hiding from your weakness means you'll never overcome them. And we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. And I guess it's recognizing what are those imperfections or the weaknesses that we have and just be comfortable with them. You know, it's uh, kind of that self-image thing, I guess, really. It's just being comfortable with who we are and understanding where our weaknesses are and where our strengths are and you know, play to our strengths and to help ourselves to be successful. And number two is view challenges as opportunities. Having a growth mindset means relishing opportunities for self-improvement. Because something is challenging or seems difficult doesn't mean necessarily we shouldn't do it, especially if it's a part of our journey in order to reach a goal or you know some sort of outcome that we're striving to get. That Those challenges are opportunities for us to make ourselves better. Those opportunities that come along like that, that, that stretch our mind a little bit or help us to, or make us work a little bit harder, they're going to make us stronger for the next time we're faced with something like that or, or, you know, whatever obstacle we come up against uh, helps build our confidence as well. Whenever we do achieve things, when things are challenging and, and we're able to overcome them or accomplish them regardless of those challenges. So, you know, use those opportunities or use those challenges as opportunities in order to make ourselves better. Uh, the third one is try different learning tactics. Here sometimes, and it happens sometimes even whenever we're school-aged, is you know, we learn that we're a certain type of learner. We weren't learn things a certain way. And what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another, but it's understanding the way that we learn best. But sometimes we might have to learn things a different way or, or go about things just a different way in order to learn something new. You know, change things up a bit and just, just give it a go. Just try. Uh, number four, follow the research on brain plasticity. Our brain is a muscle. Uh, we can work out that muscle just like we can any other muscle. And the more we exercise that muscle, the stronger or better it's going to get. Uh, or the more, you know, the more we do mobility within our other muscles, the more mobile our, our joints and our muscles get. So same thing too. The more we, we stretch our mind, the more mobile it gets. The more we uh, exercise our muscle, the stronger it's going to get and the better it's going to get, which is actually going to help your mental acuity. 
Number five, replace the word failing with the word learning. So when you make a mistake or fall short of the goal, you haven't failed, you learned. But I think this too, it's also being kind of introspective as well and understanding, well, I, I didn't achieve this. I, I went at it this way. Why didn't I get there? Why didn't I achieve whatever it was I was trying to achieve? And really looking back through the steps, say, okay, well, what could I have done better? What could I have changed in order to still achieve that goal? You know, what, what, what would actually help me to avoid that failure? And in each failure, we learn and we get better. So next time we do face something, we're able to overcome it a bit easier or not so easier. We understand different routes that we can take or different methods and tactics that we can try uh, to achieve that goal. So, you know, failing, but also too, I, I think that we need to analyze our successes just as much as our failures. Because when we, you know, oftentimes we don't do that. We don't analyze our success. Oh, we just succeeded because we tried or we put forth the effort, whatever. But we actually do need to look at why did we achieve this goal? There would have been things that might have, or the subjective, there could have been things that might have come up. We might have come up against that could have caused us to fail, but we didn't. But why did we still achieve? And how can we replicate that in order to be successful the next time? So number six, stop seeking approval. And I like this statement. It says, when you prioritize approval over learning, you sacrifice your own potential for growth. And whose approval are you trying to get and why as well? Well, this comes back to some societal norms in, in the way things are going out with the social media uh, images and stuff like that. When we put something out there, we put ourselves out there. Whose approval are we trying to get? You know, Are we trying to make someone else happy? Are we trying to get someone else to tick a box for us or make us feel good about ourselves? Or are we trying to achieve something just for us? Whenever you go out and you achieve something just for yourself, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, I guarantee you'll be much more happier about that achievement. You'll be much more fulfilled. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to get someone's approval and you achieve something, that approval is very temporary. And at the end of the day, they might not actually approve because they actually didn't want you to achieve in the first place, or they really didn't believe in you that you could achieve. You know, stop and think about that. Whose approval are you seeking and why are you seeking it? Uh, number seven, value the process over the end result. You know, smart people just like the learning process. It doesn't necessarily matter what they're learning or why they're learning it. They just like that learning process. They don't care if that learning continues or if it's in another area whatsoever outside of, you know, what their career is or, or something like that. You see people that are involved in a lot of things, constantly learn a lot of things. And um, I guess the best example of this would be, let's say you take a university course in something, or it could have been a, a course in high school in a certain area, whether it be science or art or whatever. And, and it isn't necessarily your career field. It didn't necessarily relate to any kind of success outcomes, but you, you really enjoyed that subject and you want to keep doing it. So you keep doing it. You keep learning. Look at people that play instruments, for example. They might have learned when they were in primary school. And as they continued on through life, they really enjoyed it. So they kept learning. They kept playing. They kept getting better. But there was no reason other than personal satisfaction that they did that. And that's okay. That's great. You know, myself, I have other interests that I'm very interested in. One of them is military history. I'm very interested in military history. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and things like that. I like learning about that era or that theme, I guess. So I'm going to keep doing that. So enjoy that process, regardless of what it is that you're learning and embrace it. Uh, number eight is cultivate a sense of purpose. It talks about keeping the big picture in mind and, and that big picture is probably what your purpose is or what you want to achieve in order to fulfill that purpose. And purpose is a big driver in a lot of things. If you don't have a purpose, and there's so many people that 
show up to work every day with no purpose whatsoever. They're just in the job because it gives them a paycheck and they can pay their bills and then they can go home and they can watch TV and then they get the next day and they go to their job so they can get a paycheck so they can pay their bills and then they go home. You know, and it's just this day in day out thing with no purpose whatsoever. But if you really have a sense of purpose and you really care about something, you know, or you really feel like you're achieving or whenever you do achieve or whatever you're achieving, it's making a difference and you're feeling fulfilled. It'll change your complete mindset just in life in general. You have a reason to get up every morning on Monday morning when, you know, you might be up before that alarm goes off. Many days I don't actually use an alarm, but you get up because you have a reason to get up. It'll change your life. If you've worked to a purpose or have that sense of purpose in what you're doing. Number nine, celebrate growth in others. There's been times, and this is something I actually found that I actually get a lot of fulfillment out of, and that's developing others and seeing others achieve and then celebrating that with them. You know, whether it be in my weightlifters, watching them achieve, that's, you know, just a really great feeling. But also in my professional life as well, I've had several people that I've mentored and helped throughout the years have gone to achieve really great things, quite high aspirations, you know, for them and, and things they wanted to achieve and watch them achieve it, knowing, you know, that you, you might have played a part in that process, but watching them grow it. And some of them have actually achieved far more than I, I probably ever will. And that's really great to see. And I'm not, you know, some people will hold hold them back or feel some kind of entitlement because you you, know, you might have played a part in them getting there or whatever. Well, at the end of the day, you didn't do it for them. Um, you might help open some doors for them. You might teach them how to open some doors for themselves. But at the end of the day, it's totally up to them. But if you look at it from the, the standpoint that they don't owe you anything and you're going to celebrate every achievement that they make, again, I, I believe you'll be far more fulfilled in that and you'll, you'll feel much better. So number 10 is emphasize growth over speed. And I think this, to me, comes back to that, the instant gratification society that it seems like a lot of aspects of our society are in now. People, they they want things right now. They want to be able to achieve things right now. They don't want to put in the work and realize that people who have achieved those things and do achieve those things put in work over a lengthy period of time sometimes. And again, going back to the weightlifting analogy, takes three to five years to get really good at weightlifting and get really strong to where you're actually competitive at any kind of real level. But most people don't want to wait that long. They want to come in and in six months or you know three months or whatever, I want to be able to lift this much or I want to look this good or lose this much weight or whatever it is. And you know, there's no quick fixes to any of that stuff. You have to put in the work day after day after day. And you know weight loss is a good example. It's one of those things where when you when you look at weight loss, let's say you had to lose 50 pounds or let's say 25 kilos, right? Uh, depending on which system you like to use. If you look at what is a, a safe, like a steady weight loss that's achievable, maintainable. In kilos, it, it's about, or in the metric system, it's about 500 grams a week, half a kilo. And in pounds, about a pound a week, right? So if you had to lose 25 kilos or 50 pounds, I know that's not an exact, I guess, equivalent, but pretty close. It's going to take you... 50 weeks to do that, whether it's kilos or pounds, 50 weeks. It's almost a year, almost a year. But a lot of people don't want to do that in three months. Not want to do it in three months, 90 days. That's not safe. That's not good. It's not sustainable. It's crash dieting. It's not good for you because as you're dieting, you're losing those weight. You're also learning good habits around your nutritional choices and the food that you choose and things like that. And, and you're getting your body adjusted to it. And you're, you're building those strong, good habits 
to make that maintainable, make it sustainable over time. That whenever you do hit your goal, you're not going to rebound right back up. So it's emphasizing that time and effort you put in in order to achieve that. Same thing too, if you look at, you know, you want to become a doctor. It's a 10, 15 year process. You're not going to go complete one university degree and become a doctor overnight. It's just not going to happen. It takes growth over time that gets you there. So don't be afraid to take that time. You know, it, it's growth isn't a fast thing. Sometimes achievement isn't a fast thing, but you got to be willing to put in the work. No instant gratification. So reward actions, not traits. One of the examples from the book is tell students when they're doing something smart, not just being smart. If you think about People do have certain traits. You know, the, the thing you have people that are can be very smart, but don't necessarily do anything with those smarts. So what are we rewarding? Rewarding them for being smart? Or are we rewarding them for doing some kind of action? And so I think if you look at reward your action, so your outputs, not necessarily your outputs, but what are you what are you actually doing to earn that reward? What have you done? If you think about rewards in return, like a return on investment, you're rewarded for the risk that you're taking with your money, right? So your reward is on the action you invest in the company. You let you basically let them use your money, and now you're getting a return on that money. That's your reward. That's the action. That's the reward. I don't know if that's the best analogy or whatever, but that's what I got. So uh, redefine genius, genius, intelligence. People have different areas of intelligence. Genius in a certain area, though, means you might have re- you know kind of achieved that top level of intelligence in that area, and that takes work too. Nobody on this earth was born with all the knowledge or the abilities in their mind in their body. To be able to do whatever it is they're doing now, you had to develop that. At one point, you had to learn the first thing you know about whatever subject is you're an expert in. And over time and experience, not just learning, you've learned through you know, theory, you've learned through practical application, you've learned through experience, and that's what makes you the genius. You're not necessarily having a high intellect. It's actually understanding that material, learning that material, having the application, whether it be something working with your hands, working your, with your mind, whatever, you had to develop that. No one, some people just seem to do things a little bit quicker in different areas. And if you really understand where your strengths lie and you play to those strengths and you look, work to develop those strengths as strong as possible, you're going to get there a lot quicker than someone else potentially. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to put in time. You're still going to have to work at it. You're still going to have to learn. You're still going to have to develop that genius in that area. So number 13, portray criticism as positive. Too many times, well, people say, oh, it's just constructive criticism. They might be belittling you. They might be, you know, just criticizing you. Portray that as positive. You know, if someone, it, it, criticism is a form of feedback. That's all it is. And when someone's giving you feedback, you should appreciate that because that feedback is what you can take to make yourself better, improve whatever it is you're doing. So, you know, view it as a positive, not necessarily a negative. Again, anytime our mind goes to a negative, we tend to operate in that space and that's not the space we want to be and we want to be in the positive. So, and sometimes too, to be honest with you, I've had people give me, you know, be very critical of what I'm doing from a very negative standpoint, um, you know, to the point they really just don't like it. And it, it's probably coming from a point of jealousy or resentment, you know, because I, I might be achieving something they want to or they think they want to, but they're not able to. Why? Because they're not doing the work. And that's okay. I am quite fine with that. And sometimes I take it as a source of pride. Hmm. Well, they're being critical of me. I take it as a source of pride. So they're, they're angry at me or whatever. That's great. I'm quite happy with that. That means I'm achieving what it is I want to achieve. So number 14, disassociate improvement from failure. And this is, you know, stop assuming that room for improvement translate into failure. I'd actually, I've never really associated room for improvement with failure, but I guess there might be some people that do. 
I always say, no matter how much I've learned, no matter how much I've done, no matter how, how much I've achieved or experience I have in a certain area, there's always room for improvement. So does that mean I'll ever achieve expert level? Yes, I, I do believe that. I do believe there's certain areas that I am would consider myself an expert in. But does that mean I don't need to continue to improve? No. But I think that's part of that growth mindset too. Do I think I have a, a growth mindset? Yes, I do. And the reason why I think that is because I believe that there's always room for improvement. But how do I work on that? I learn more. Things evolve, things change, whatever. But I always want to know more. I always want to know something from someone else's perspective. How do they view this problem? What have they thought about it? How have they made this application? You know, whatever it might be. But like I said, I've never actually associated that that term room for improvement, that it means that I've failed at anything. I just see that, again, as the growth mindset. So number 15, provide regular opportunities for reflection. I do this quite a bit, actually. Um, say I've had a difficult conversation with someone or a conversation with someone that didn't go quite how I expected. It might have gone negative or some event or something I've worked on that it just doesn't seem to be going right. And there, there's you know a bit of turbulence there, whatever. But when things do go right, I, I will stop and reflect, actually get some quiet time, reflect on my day, um, particularly when it's been a busy, crazy day. I just kind of sit back and go, okay, today was just full on. It was busy as didn't feel like I had a minute to even breathe. What did I achieve? What, what could I have done to maybe make more sense of that day and take some of that turbulence out? You know, whatever it is, but you take that kind of quiet time, reflect on yourself, and you will actually identify areas where you can improve yourself. Um, guarantee, guarantee it's going to happen, but you have to take that approach and really analyze yourself and, you know, what you're doing. And number 16, place effort before talent. I'm a strong believer in this. You see it in athletes too. Work ethic trumps talent every day of the week. Every day of the week. And I will take an athlete to work with who shows up every day, puts in the work over someone who is naturally talented and just is lazy and won't come in and do the work, you know, uh, because they think that they're so good. Well, eventually someone who doesn't have the talent that you do, they're going to pass you up because they're putting in the work. They're doing what needs to be done. And again, someone with that mindset and that attitude, that work ethic, they will always have a job with me as long as I can. Where someone who is talented, has the skills, has the abilities, but doesn't apply themselves, will not. So I, I agree with that 100%. Place effort before talent. And do that in yourself, too. I consider myself to be someone of average talent, average intelligence. But my effort, I believe, is above what a lot of other people will put in. So that's sometimes what will separate me from people that are, or put me ahead of people that are more talented and smarter than me. It, it's that effort. And when you start looking at yourself in that way and actually how you're applying yourself and where you're applying yourself to, you'll be so much far ahead than where you are now. Number 17, highlight the relationship between learning and brain training. Again, this kind of goes back to the earlier one that we talked around around plasticity. The brain is a muscle. It needs to be worked. It needs to be used. And if by used, I'm not saying we need to do certain exercises every day or whatever, but just find something that stimulates you a little bit to think. If if we're not stimulated to think, we we really are, are you know just like our muscles. When we don't use our muscles a lot, they atrophy and they're they're not working at their top efficiency and they're not as strong as they can be. Same thing with our brain too. And by being stimulated, sitting in front of a TV watching a drama or comedy or something like that. And yes, I, I do that too. I have my favorite shows that I like to watch mostly because I like to have a good laugh. But they don't make you think. They don't stimulate your brain. When we try a puzzle or something like that, it stimulates us a little bit to think. When we read something or we listen to certain things that you know invoke that thinking and that learning, 
that's when we're actually exercising the brain. Okay, not when we're looking on social media, not when we're social media, I believe, and I think there's actually been research, so it just actually makes us dumber, but but not when we're just zoning out, vegging out, watching TV or whatever. It will depend on what it is you're watching. And sometimes, too, even whenever you watch like a, a documentary, you know, these thinking shows, um, you have to really look at it. What's the perspective that it's being filmed from and viewed from? And whenever you start looking at that, it's kind of like being critical of research and, and really trying to look at it objectively you'll find that it's probably not very good either. It's no different than any other TV show. So number 18, cultivate grit. And this gives examples. Students with with that extra bit of determination will be more likely to seek approval from themselves than for others. You know, and, and grit. There's actually a book called Grit. And uh, I'd actually recommend that you, you read it. It's quite good. Grit is really that that drive some people have, you know, that, you know, you can knock me down, but I'll get back up again. And they just keep going at it. And it really does seem like some people have it, some people don't. But I've seen people develop this. And a lot of times it comes from confidence. You know, they, they realize, oh, I got back up and I did get back down. And sometimes you have to show them that, look, you got back up. You dusted yourself off. You got at it again. You achieved. Yeah, you might have got knocked down 20 times. But on the 21st time you got up, you achieved. And they develop that grit. Sometimes people realize how tough they really are. And go, oh, yeah, I can do this. And I really get at it. Like when I used to compete in weightlifting myself, I was always competing against myself. And when I used to compete in CrossFit, I always competed against myself. I wanted to beat myself. Every time I went and worked out, I want to be able to lift a little bit more. So I beat the guy that was in the gym that was me the day before. Or, you know, a month later, I want to be able to get a better time on this workout than I got last month. Why? Because I'm doing the work. I, I want to beat myself and, and really challenge yourself to be better than you are now. Um, it's not about being better than anybody else. It's not about beating anybody else. It's just about beating yourself and being better than you can be. But also recognizing that when you get knocked down, you're going to get back up and you're going to keep going at it because that's just who you are. So, you know, cultivate that grit. Number 19 is abandon the image. This this image is talking about, it, it says, you know, naturally smart sounds just as believable, believable as spontaneous generation. You won't achieve the image if you're not ready for the work. This, I actually did a podcast recently around not being ready or feel like you're not ready for the next role. You have this image of what it'll be like whenever you achieve these things. Or you have this image of the people that have achieved these things that you want to achieve. And really, if you start looking underneath the surface of that image, the way it looks is no different than you. It looks just like you, which means you can achieve that. But we tend to create this extra special image of people that have done certain things and we put them up on this pedestal and then suddenly because they're on this pedestal it's something that we can no longer achieve we created this unachievable image of these things well let me tell you something if someone has achieved something there is a good chance that you can too it doesn't make it impossible any achievement that has ever been achieved by any human being is not impossible why because someone has achieved it boom it just took away the whole definition of impossible Take that image away. Start seeing it for what it is. They're just humans that put in a lot of work and they got things done and it got them to where they are. You can do the exact same thing. Number 20, use the word yet. This is kind of interesting. So Carol DeWick, who wrote the book, of course, she said she uses the term not yet a lot. Basically, when you see someone struggling with something, you just tell them they haven't mastered it yet. I quite like that. You know, it's like, no, I'm no good at this. Instead of saying, no, I'm no good at this. Oh, I'll never achieve this. I just haven't got there yet. Which implies that you're still working toward it and you are going to achieve it. 
Your yet might be a little bit longer than someone else's or could be shorter than somebody else's, but we all have a yet. And as long as we're working toward that goal, eventually you will get there. But that changes your mindset again. Sometimes how we talk and the vocabulary we use actually determines our mindset. So if we actually have the mindset of, well, I'm not there yet, but I'm working toward that and I'm getting there, I'm on my way, then we actually are doing that. The mind believes what we tell it. And if we're telling it that we're going to achieve it, we're on our way there, we're just not there yet. Your mind will believe that, which means you will believe that. And eventually you will get there. You just keep putting the work in. And number 21, learn from other people's mistakes. There's not a lot of things in this world that people haven't achieved. Like I talked about just before was, you know, if everything that a human's achieved means it's not impossible, right? So someone has achieved it along the way. They probably had failures. They, they had setbacks, but they've achieved success. Well, what is that? What did they do? Or what lessons can you learn from what they did so you don't see some of those same failures? Again, it might actually help accelerate you achieving your goal. And sometimes, too, don't be afraid to reach out to someone who has achieved those things that you want to achieve and ask them. Ask them, you know, what, what were three failures that you had overcome? What were three setbacks that you had overcome? Give me three things because those are three things that you can learn from and you don't have to face yourself necessarily. Or you might not get as big of a setback or as big as a failure or set, you know, as you're going along the process. So don't be afraid to reach out to those people. And, and some of them might even be willing to take you on as a, you know, as a mentor-mentee relationship. And, and again, that would be really accelerate you to get where you're going. Don't be afraid to learn from other people's mistakes. Just because other people have made mistakes doesn't mean you, you don't have to learn from them. So number 22, make a goal for every goal accomplished. And this, this is really good, actually. Sometimes we'll say, okay, well, this year I'm going to do X, Y, Z, right? Oh, and you say from January 1st, I'm going to start this goal. And whenever it finishes, whenever it finishes during the year, I'm done for the year. That's it. But instead of looking at like a, of course, we, all, we always want our goals to be time bound. Time bound it to a length of time you think that it'll It'll take you to get to that goal. Don't make it time bound to a, I guess, a just a start date. And also don't make it time bound to just a calendar year. And this is where actually um, when you look at corporate budgets, for example, okay, this year, this is our budget. Next year, this is our budget. And the next year's budget isn't done till the end of this year's. Well, why can't we always know what our budget is 12 months out? Same thing with the strategic planning process. We should always know where we're going 12 months out. That's our operational plan. It's not January to December. And then in October, November, we start the new one that starts again in January. No, January to December. The next one we're working when we're in February, we're working to January the next year. When we go to March, we're working at, at February the next year like that. So we always know we're at 12 months out. So whenever you achieve a goal, your your job of learning isn't done. Set a new goal. Set one that builds on the previous one or set a new one in a whole nother path. You know, there might be multiple things you want to achieve or there might be greater things you want to achieve in the area that you just did achieve. But keep setting those goals. That'll keep stimulating you. You keep learning. You'll keep moving up the ladder, so to speak. So don't be afraid to do that. And number 23, take risk in the companies of others. And this sometimes I think people would take more risk, but they're too afraid of being judged by other people. What will they think? What will they think if I fail? What will they think if I succeed? Why are you afraid to put yourself out there? Why are you afraid to take risk? And I'll give you an example of something I, I did recently. So an organization that I'm a member of, uh, fairly new member, I guess, overall compared to the general membership. And we had a big conference. There's about 800 people attending. I was nominated for, so there's two vice president roles. I was nominated for one of them, but nobody had any idea who I was. And I had to give a three-minute speech in front of these 800 people. I walked up on the stage, and I took a second. I looked around, 
And I kind of smiled and I said, you know, I said, none of y'all have any idea who I am, do you? And they all kind of laughed. And I said, that's okay. So then I told them a little bit about myself. I took a risk to put myself out there. I wasn't laughed off stage at the end of the day. There's a lot of people that really liked the fact that I did that. I wasn't afraid to put myself out there. But basically I was saying, look, I know I'm new. I know you don't know who I am, but here I am. This is me. I, I knew I didn't have much of a chance of, of, um, of being elected to the role, and, and I wasn't. But I achieved what I wanted to achieve, and that was to get people to know who I was, which I'm quite happy with. Again, knew I wasn't going to get elected. But I achieved what it was I wanted to achieve, and that was to let people know that, look, I'm ambitious. I'm here. This is who I am. And But there's been a number of things that have come out of that just by doing that that are taking, I guess, my participation within that group and potentially taking my career further. But I had to take that risk. But some people won't even get up there and do something like that. When you think about it, what was the real risk for me? You know, I look like an idiot. Nobody wants to do business with me. Nobody wants to be associated with me. That's highly unlikely. And so I just totally blew it. There's no physical risk to me. You know, they're not going to beat me up because I got there on the stage. There's no financial risk to me. They're not going to come take all my money from me. There's no family risk. You know, my, my family still loves me. There's no other risk. But some people, they see this massive risk of just putting ourselves out there. As, oh, it's just too much to, to tolerate. I can't take it. Well, you take greater risk every single day when you get in a car because it's the most dangerous thing you'll probably do because you could die in that car. Yet you won't get in front of up in front of 800 people and talk for three minutes to put yourself out there and let people know that you're ambitious, to know that you're there, to know that you, you, you know, you're a, a high achiever. That, I would argue and say you're probably not a high achiever then. You're probably not that ambitious if you can't take that small of a risk. At the end of the day, there's, there's no risk to you whatsoever. None. And doing those kind of things. Same thing, public speaking. I've done that before. People tell me, oh, I couldn't get up there and do that. Why not? Why can't you? Yes, you can. You just won't because you tell yourself you won't. Anyway, number 24. Think realistically about time and effort. It takes time to learn things. It takes effort to do it. And I know some of you probably are tired of the weightlifting analogies, but the time it takes at three to five years to really get good at weightlifting is one thing. The effort it takes is the other. So nearly every session or the majority of sessions is going to be very uncomfortable. You're going to be lifting these heavy weights. And particularly once they get up and, you know, sometimes two two and a half, three times your body weight that you're lifting in different movements, it's incredibly uncomfortable. And initially you feel incredibly unsafe. You know, if I drop this, it could kill me. But you have to be realistic. That discomfort is what makes you stronger. Same thing too, whenever you're, you know, you take on the hard jobs at work, you know, because you understand, well, if I take on this hard job that nobody else wants, one, it's going to help me in my learning and development. Two, it's going to reflect well on me because I took on the jobs and I got it done that nobody else would do. But be realistic, that effort, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. That's why it's a hard job. That's why nobody else wants to do it. When you, you recognize that, okay, it's going to be uncomfortable. Uh, I'm going to have a, a higher level of stress, potentially, a higher level of anxiety, potentially. You know, there's going to be stressors. There's going to be, because there's going to be things outside of my control. And there's things I don't know as I go into this. But as long as you're realistic and understand that effort, when you can mitigate it too, eventually we'll get out of it. But if you're ever going to get better, you have to be in that level of discomfort and you're going to have to do it over a long period of time in order to get there. You know, as long as it's not too much for too long, because that's when you start developing other mental health issues and stuff like that. So 
is find that fine line. Same thing with the weightlifting. If I put way too much weight on you at first, at the wrong time, it's going to hurt you. You're going to tear a muscle. You're going to you know, mess up one of your joints, whatever. Understanding that it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, as long as you get comfortable with being uncomfortable, you'll be all right. Number 25, the last one, down to the last one. And I think this one is probably the most important. Take ownership over your attitude. It's your life. It's nobody else's life. It's yours and yours alone. You are 100%. And if you're an adult in particular, you're 100% responsible for every outcome of every situation that you're involved in. And I know people say, well, no, that's not true. It 100% is. Every decision you make, every choice you make, and this could be a decision to learn something, to set goals, whatever, or it could be a decision to not set goals, to not learn something, to sit on the couch, to be on social media and just veg out and not do that, to be that person I talked about at the beginning that, you know, I get up, I go to work, I come home, I get up, I go to work, I come home, and you're never really stimulated, you never do anything. You make a choice to do that. If you don't get a promotion, it's not anybody else's fault. Nobody did that to you. If you get sacked from your job, it's not anybody else's fault. Nobody else did that to you. You either did the things you had to do to get promoted or you did something that you shouldn't have had to do or shouldn't have done to get sacked from your job. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction sometimes, but every choice we make, every decision we make, either consciously or unconsciously, there's a byproduct of that or there's a reaction to that. And if they're positive decisions, positive mindset things, more likely the return on it's going to be positive. If they're negative or we're not doing the right thing, there's going to be negative consequences to that. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for your life. You're responsible for your attitude. But also, too, I had someone tell me one time that when someone gets angry at you or you get angry at someone, we choose to do that. They've done something. We've chosen to get angry at that. They're not doing that to make us angry. We choose to get angry. Same thing, too. Whenever we do something and someone gets angry at us, well, they chose to get angry at us. You know, and actually asked them, what was I did that make, made you choose to get angry? We choose our mindset. Whenever we start feeling that anger or that negativity, and sometimes we want to feel that. We just want to. I don't know why. We just want to or we have to. But whenever we do feel that coming up and we, we feel that anger or we feel that negativity coming up, got to squash it. Squash it. Something I work with my son on, something I work with my weightlifters on, something I work on myself. Whenever we feel those negative thoughts coming up, we smash them down and replace them with positive thoughts. Again, that attitude. I can choose to be negative or I can choose to be positive. When bad things happen to you or when bad things happen in our lives, I wouldn't say to you or around us, whatever, we can either choose to focus on it and stay in that negative mindset or we can choose to change it. So, yep, it's just an event that happened. So what? No big deal. And move on to be that positive mindset. But only you can choose to have that positive mindset. Only you can choose to have that growth mindset. And initially, it's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be very uncomfortable getting there. But I guarantee you, once you train your mind to get there and you're able to do it, your whole life will change. Let me know your thoughts on this subject. I really, really do want to know. And some of you have been really good about coming back to me whenever I ask that on at the end of some of these podcasts. Give me your feedback. Is there an area you want me to talk more about or something you don't agree with? I want to know. Uh, connect with me again through LinkedIn. Just search my name, Blake Repine. You can also hook up with me on any of the social media sites, uh, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Or just send me an email, blakerepine at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website, contact me through there, blakerepine.com.au. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you again soon.